Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and I want to welcome the callers and chatters to Research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, and I do see several guests in the chat room tonight, please sign in through your Facebook account or blog, Talk Radio. Well, tonight's show will focus on avoiding distractions and setting your research goals. And my special guest is Amy Johnson Crow. Amy Johnson Crow is a certified genealogist with a master's degree in library and information science. She regularly speaks at the industry's top events throughout the year, including the Federation of Genealogical Societies and Roots Tech, as well as state and regional events. She provides. She previously served as a series editor for the National Genealogical Society Guides, published by Rutledge Hill Press, and have served on several national and state boards. So let me give a warm welcome to genealogist Amy Johnson Crow to research at the National Archives and beyond. Welcome, Amy. Well, hey, Bernice, thanks for having me on your show. Hey, well, we're going to have some fun tonight, okay? But we are. before we get into this whole issue of distractions, why don't you just give us an idea of when did you become interested in genealogy? Well, Bernice, I've always had sort of a historical bend. Um, you know, when, when I was growing up and we would take road trips, you know, I really enjoyed the historical sites that we would stop at. But it really started, for the family history, it really started back in the mid-70s, actually, you know, about the time that Roots, the original Roots came on, and it seemed yes. like everyone was kind of swept up in, in this whole, hey, you know, my family has a history too. And I was really close with my grandma. And Grandma was the unofficial family historian for, for my dad's side mm-hmm. of the family. And she had the family Bible. She had the photos. She labeled the photos. I mean, the woman Lucky was the same, you. Right? I mm-hmm. know. And so she would tell me all these wonderful stories. She actually wrote a short memoir of her early life. I mean, just. You know, she she is like the the dream ancestor to have because she did all the right things. Well, so she told me some things, and some of them were true. Some of them were really not true <laughs> that I found out later in my research. But that that kind of got me started in just the interest of our family history. Didn't do anything with the actual research until – Many years later, after I had gotten married and my son was about a year old and I was cleaning out the closet and I came across the funeral card for my maternal grandfather. So this is mom's side of the family. And mom really didn't know a whole lot about her side. 
um, just family situations and whatnot. She just really didn't have a lot of knowledge about her family, especially about her mom's family. So here I am with a toddler, and it was just one of those, I need to find this. I need to know something about mom's side of the family. So actually that night, I went to my local library and just crazy random happenstance met these two wonderful women who happened to be researching in the genealogy room that night. They took me under their wing. I got completely hooked, completely addicted, and I've been doing genealogy ever since. Wow, what a wonderful beginning. Well, Tell us, now, did you receive any specific training in genealogical research beyond the two wonderful women that took you <laughs> under their wings? Well, you know, as, as most genealogists do, it, it's been a lot of self-directed education. It's been a ton of reading. It's been attending conferences and seminars and webinars and listening to shows like yours. It's been a lot of doing um, way back in the day, this was way before, I don't even think NGS had a website at the time. I did the NGS home study course, and, and mm-hmm. that, was, that was really, really good. This was back in the days when they had to actually mail you the materials, and you would mail them back. Yeah, oh, I'm okay. Kind of my age yes. there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before but, the good old yeah. internet, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're really, the only... The closest thing we had to the internet at the time were, you know, some some chat rooms and some discussion boards. Um, I had a very early CompuServe account. Yeah, that tells you how long I've been doing this. So, but but yeah, it's it's been a lot of of self-directed, um, seeing what I'm interested in, and then just going and finding places where I can learn more about it. Oh, yes. And, and, you know, one of the great things about uh, educating yourself now is that we do have so many different opportunities out there. Uh, And that's what it's all about, taking advantage of all opportunities to to learn as much as you can. So as you have gone on your genealogy journey, what type of challenges have you experienced in conducting your own genealogical research or helping others? Well, you know, uh, an issue that I have in my own family is I have a lot of uh, a lot of ancestry that comes out of the Mid-Atlantic states. So, I have a I have deep roots in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so, yeah, just just trying to tackle Pennsylvania research can can be challenging. Um, I also have very deep roots here in Ohio. I'm fortunate that I live so close to where a lot of my ancestors lived. So, you know, I I can go and take a day trip to county courthouses and and whatnot. I'm very fortunate in that regard. But I didn't realize early on that Ohio, in some ways. It's supposed to be a difficult state because there are some really, let's say, unique things about Ohio research, but I didn't know that it was supposed to be hard going in, so I just kind of plowed right through it. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's, it's better not to have someone tell you it's hard and let you experience whatever you can. Uh, you do have a question, though, that's coming out of the chat. They want to know what counties in Pennsylvania your family from my my counties in Pennsylvania I have York and Adams Fayette so sort of that that southern um, southwestern tier of, of Pennsylvania green Fayette okay. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well now you know you you talked about hey possible challenges or maybe there are challenges but you live near where your ancestors were from in Ohio, but have you had any other thoughts on on challenges that you've experienced in genealogical research? Well, I I think one of the challenges, and and you alluded to it a moment ago, is 
we have so many opportunities now. You know, opportunities that that we didn't have. At least I didn't have when when I when I got started. Um, there's so much more available online. There are so many more educational opportunities, both in person, online. You know, however however you best learn, there's something out there that will match how you want to learn about things. But Yes, I think I think that having it's 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 sort of one of those good news and bad news things. There is so much available, which is awesome. I mean, it's absolutely awesome. The amount of information that we have easier access to than we've ever had before. But it also creates a challenge in that it can really easily feel overwhelming. And that's that's something that I think all of us grapple with. Oh yes. So why don't you let's let's talk about distractions and your thoughts on on about distractions. What causes distractions? And chatters, I want you to chime in also because this is an issue that perhaps all of us are faced with. Yeah. Amy? I mean does, yeah, does, you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm thinking. Yeah, I got got distracted. Um, you know, the the thing with with distractions is that I think it's actually sort of a, a two pronged problem. One, I I think that part of it is that we have so much that is available, and so much of it can be really in our face. So I think all of us have gone on to Ancestry, and you log in and what do you do? You, you look up there in the right-hand corner and you see, you know, how many hints you have now. Or you get that email saying, hey, we discovered a new DNA match for you. And it's like, well, okay, there goes this evening because now I, I need to go figure out how this person is actually my third cousin. Um, which, which, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem because it can distract us so easily. But the, the other part of the distraction problem, I think, is that we don't approach our research with a goal in mind. You know, we, we just sit down, and, and I know that I've done this, and talking to other people, this seems to be a pretty common thing. It's like, okay, well, tonight I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, quote, do some genealogy. Well, if if all you're doing is I'm just going to go do some genealogy, then it's really easy to just go here and there, and it doesn't matter that Ancestry has now thrown up, you know, 75 more hints, and you've gotten another email about a match, and you got another email from from Genie.com saying, oh, we we have a smart match, and you know all these things. If all we're doing is just doing genealogy, it's so easy to just, you know, hit, skip, go here, go there when we don't have a good goal in mind. What are we really trying to accomplish? And I think right. that and if, you if we can a, kind of approach it both ways, yeah. Yes. Well, you have a comment coming out of the chat, and um, Angela is saying, well, these days, the speed of the Internet is a distraction, especially now with social media. We can be working hard and looking at a link to a useful article, and before clicking, we now see a new article has been posted by someone whom we follow. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's so again, it comes back to that it's a good news, bad news sort of thing because i I wouldn't want to go back to not having social media. I don't want to go back to the days where to contact everybody we had to use at best email you know i I love the fact that we can connect on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest or YouTube or you know whatever your your social media platform of choice is, but it's definitely a distraction. And one thing that, that I've had to be very conscious of, and, you know, since, since I'm a, a, you know, small business owner and, 
you know, I am my own boss, which again is a good news, bad news sort of thing. I have flexible hours, but you know, um, is, is really having to stay focused. So if I'm really working on a research problem or I'm working on research for a blog post or, or whatever, you know, I make sure that I don't even open up Facebook. You know, Facebook does not get open. I put my phone over on, you know, a, a bookshelf. I don't have it right there on the on the desk where I could be tempted to just, oh, well, I'll just pop on Facebook for a minute. Because let's be real, none of us pop on Facebook for a minute. I do. <laughs> you know, <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> Bernice, you're a wonderful woman. But, you know, it's, I, I think it's part of, I think it's part of realizing those, those time management traps and those distraction traps that we are prone to fall into. And for me, I know that if I, if I jump on Facebook, it's going to be hard for me to just stay focused. So if I know that I need to get research done, if I have to get some writing done, I have to get that next blog post out, you know, I'm sorry, Facebook doesn't even get opened. And, and mm-hmm. that really helps me just avoid the distraction. Just, which just is avoiding a, it altogether. Just avoiding it, which is really a good way to avoid distractions. That's one of them that you could definitely, you have control. I, you know, when you talk about distractions, you also, you know, kind of talk about what kind of control do you have? And there, there's a lot of control that you have on your time. Yeah, and, and I discovered one thing, too. When, when I first got my, my smartphone, and I am the first to admit, I do not want to live my life without my smartphone. I mean, I love having that access. I love having the connection wherever I go. I mean, I've been known to text my daughter, when we're in the same room. I mean, it happens. But (laughs) usually when I do that, it's just being funny. You know, it's like, you know, hey, you know, it's it's, it's not like I'm actually trying to communicate with her. I'm just trying to to be funny with her. But, Mm -hmm. But in terms of the distractions with the phone, I turn off almost all of my notifications. So on Twitter, I have... I have very few notifications on on Twitter. I I don't have it set for it to look for my emails automatically. So I'm not Mm -hmm. getting email notifications. I'm not getting very many Facebook notifications. I I do have a few set up. But, again, it's, it's seeing what I can avoid and, you know, turning those notifications off on my phone, turning them off on my iPad, that has helped so much. I, I feel like I have more control over my own, my own workspace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you have some questions coming out of here. I think you just answered one of them by turning off all notifications. But there's a question, how do you manage your time? I mean, do you set aside specific hours per day to write, to research, et cetera? Yeah, I, I, I do try to be structured with my day because, you know, I, as a small business owner, I do have many hats that I wear, so I need to set aside specific hours or at least have it structured like, okay, this morning I'm going to work on my new blog post. Okay, when I get that done, I'll have lunch, and then this afternoon I can work on this program programming project that I'm working on. So it is a matter of kind of chunking my time and thinking ahead of time how my day is going to be laid out. Because if I go into my day like, oh, well, let's see what today brings, that's a, that's a sure recipe for not getting anything done. So if I can have mm-hmm. an idea ahead of time, like tonight I still need to do this, is take a look at the things that need to be accomplished tomorrow and getting an idea of the first thing that I want to tackle because if I have that in mind, then I can really hit the ground running rather than 
spending half an hour trying to analyze things and, and trying to work into it. So a lot of it is a matter of thinking about it ahead of time. And, and when you're thinking about it ahead of time, I want, I want to just kind of get a little more specific. Do you sure. actually put yourself on a, a structured schedule? Yeah, I, I really do try to. I really do try to. And, and one thing that I have found is to allow myself to take breaks. And I, I think that this yes. is also good not only from a business standpoint but also from just a research standpoint. Um, Last weekend, I had an opportunity to go over to the Genealogy Center over in Fort Wayne. They were having Midnight Madness. So being locked in the library until midnight, that was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But I knew, I knew that I couldn't just sit there at, the, at my research table for, you know, eight solid hours and get anything done. You know, our brains, they, they've done studies. Our brains actually get tired as we make decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and our research really is a series of decisions. You know, we're looking at that document. It's like, okay, well, what does this say? What does this mean? Oh, who is this person? Oh, what does this term, what does this phrase mean? So it's, it, it's all of these different series of decisions that we're making, and it actually makes our brains tired. So we really do need to take some time and completely step away. There, there's a technique that, that I use, and it's called the Pomodoro Technique. And basically, it's work, very, be very focused for 25 minutes, and then take a five-minute break. And okay, like, so well, focus for 25 minutes and then take a break. Yeah, focus for 25 minutes and then take a break. And, and when you're taking a break, it's best if you do something in those five minutes that is completely different. So mm-hmm. get up and walk around, which we should all probably be doing more of anyway. <laughs> you know, yes, it's, it's, you're right. It's, it's, it's so easy to just sit there before you know it. You know, three hours has gone by and, and you haven't moved, and that's really, they say that's not healthy. So, you know, get up walk around, go get a drink of water, go talk to someone, focus on something a little more distant. Because if you've been doing a lot of reading or you've been working on your computer, you know, that's, that's some pretty close focusing. They say that it's better to give your eyes a rest and have them focus on something that's further away for a while. So this, this Pomodoro technique, I really like it counterintuitive to take more breaks but giving your brain a rest giving your body a stretch getting up and and walking and and you know just being active for a few minutes it re-energizes you and you end up being more productive because you can your, but do your brain you have a timer a rest and you can focus again yes do you have some kind of timer to say it's 25 minutes, because when you get focused, you may not even realize an hour, two hours have even passed. Oh, exactly. And, and that was the issue that I was really running into. So what I try to do is I do try to set a timer. There are several different apps that, that will actually do a 25-minute a and a five-minute increment that kind of follows the Pomodoro technique. Um, I just use the alarm on on my phone, you know, and just say, you know, hey, Siri, set the timer for 25 minutes. Um, And and then just also just trying to be more aware. But, yeah, if I don't actually set the timer, it is so easy to find myself, you know, two and a half, three hours later and like, oh, yeah, that was bad. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. definitely setting the timer helps. Yes. Well, I, I usually talk to a genie friend, and my genie friend said that uh, she burned her breakfast one morning because she got so focused on her genealogy. And it's so easy for you to just get into that, that zone and yep. you start doing your research. You don't want to break away. 
No, you you don't. But it's it's amazing that when you allow yourself just just a few minutes, you know, three or five minutes to to step away from it, you actually come back more focused. And I can't tell you how many times I have just gone crazy trying to read some old handwriting. You know, I've I found let's say an old will, and I'm trying to make out well, you know, what is this word? What what is he saying here? And I'm just going nuts trying to read this. It's like, okay, that's it. I'm putting it down. I'm walking away. Walk away for a few minutes. And then when I come back to it, my eyes are fresh, both literally and figuratively. And it's like, oh, that's what that word is. I can't tell you how many times that has helped. Literally walking away from it for a few minutes and coming back. And it's almost like the word just jumps off the page. You, you can see what it is. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Okay, now now you have a question. There's a question coming out of the chat and they are asking about what kind of schedule do you have for your uh, to update your blogs? Okay, that's that's a really good question. Um I've I've been blogging once or twice a week. Um this month has been, it's really been once a week because I've been so focused on the relaunch of my project 31 Days to Better Genealogy. So that took a lot of time. But, yeah, so, so once or twice a week. And how long it takes to, to write a blog post completely depends upon the topic. Some things are very, I don't want to say stream of consciousness, but they're more more of my musings, like a, a post I had recently about Find a Grave. It wasn't something I had to go out and do a lot of research for because it was pretty much my opinion about something on Find a Grave. But for other posts, you know, going out and finding the examples and then getting it written up, finding the, the graphics that I, that I want to use, I mean, it can take several hours. And I try to break it up over at least a couple of days so that I can write it on one day, and then edit it the next. Mm-hmm. Now, another question is coming out of the chat. Uh, do you write in a specific area in your house or anywhere? I usually write in a specific area of my house. I'm, I'm fortunate that, um, that I actually have an office in my house. So, you know, I, I can shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> and and the and the family knows if my door is shut unless there is bleeding involved they really should not interrupt me <laughs> you know um so okay. so I'm very, yeah so so I'm I'm very fortunate in in that regard that I do have a space that being said sometimes when I do have writer's block or researcher's block if there's something like oh I'm just not sure what to do Sometimes having a change of scenery will help. So maybe mm-hmm. I'll go to the back porch or I'll go to the library or go to my local coffee shop. Sometimes having a, a change of scenery will help. But I do like having a specific space because that does put me in the frame of mind that, okay, here's where I write, here's where I do a lot of my research, and it just kind of helps prepare me for that. Mhm, mhm. Now you mentioned your 31 day project. What's that? 31 days to better genealogy. It's a free email series. I had I I launched the first version of it last October for Family History Month, and then this October, just this past month, I relaunched it with version two. So it's 31 different days. There are. There are a few days that sort of overlap what we did in the first version, but it's a completely free email series of specific tips and tricks and resources, uh, very actionable. Each, each email ends with a to-do, you know, something that you, know, you can actually go out and do and try and see if this resource or this method will fit in with what you're trying to accomplish. Oh, okay. So it's... it's- kind of on the whole area of setting your goals and what you're going to do. Mhm. Well, and and not, and not to, to be a, a very okay. 
a very quick break and All come right. right back and uh, continue this discussion. Welcome back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and you can join me every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where I will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of my guests share a deep passion and knowledge of genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn.com, and Stitcher.com. Now, I have opened the phone lines for any of you that would like to call in and ask a question. And the number is 646-200-0491 and press 1 to speak to the host. Now, you have been listening to Amy Johnson Crow discuss strategies to avoid distractions with your genealogical research. And, Amy, right before we went on break, you were saying something. Uh, and there's, there's some comments here. Someone uh, wrote, they just finished. Uh, this is Gary. Just finished her 31 Days to Better Genealogy. It was excellent. One small goal per day. And, Amy, there's another comment. Amy's 31 Days of Fun and Keeps You Motivated. They're short and to the point. Hey, that's great, Amy. Yeah. Oh, thanks thanks for that feedback. I, I really appreciate that. And and one thing that I really have worked on with the 31 days, both the, the version that I had last year and the one that just launched this uh, this past month, is keeping things short, keeping them actionable. And I think that that's something that also helps us to avoid distractions and, and something that we, we haven't touched on a whole lot is how goals really can help us avoid distractions rather than just sitting with, okay, I'm going to go do some genealogy. What is it that we're trying to accomplish? What question are we trying to answer? You know, if when, when I was researching at the genealogy center last weekend, you know, it would have been very easy to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Fort Wayne and do some research. But my goal was to look at the publications that they had for a specific, well, actually two specific counties, one in northwest Ohio and one in Pennsylvania for a family that I'm researching. And I wanted to just do that basic literature search. I want to see what's in the county histories. I want to see what's in the all the different books that the genealogy societies have published. So that was my goal. And I went into it having a list of surnames. I had my charts printed out. So I had a good idea in mind of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to accomplish. And having that, having that set up ahead of time really helped me not only hit the ground running, but also helped keep me focused rather than, oh, well, here's this bright, shiny object over there. Not saying that the bright, shiny object never shows up, 
But I think when we have a goal or when we have a specific question that we're trying to solve, that we're trying to answer, having that in mind really can help us stay focused, be more productive, and avoid those distractions. Right, and it makes so much sense. I mean, can you imagine going into the Allen County Public Library and saying, I don't know why I'm here, or I'm just going to look at everything. (laughs) Then you don't know whether you've even accomplished it. It's like they just throw it up in the air and whatever catches you, that's that's what you're there for. But it does make sense, as you said, to to at least know what your what your goal is and be mm-hmm. very focused on that goal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and having that idea ahead of time so again you can prepare, you can have an idea of what books, what resources are available so you're not wasting time when you are there. So you can just really get really focused and and try to solve that problem that you've identified. Now, what do you recommend when it comes to working with uh, groups uh, on a a group project? And I don't know if you've even had to to work with a a team of people on a specific project, but let's say you're in a situation where a team of you are working on a specific project. How would you uh, avoid distractions when you have several people working with you? that That's a really good question. And whether you're working in a group with a genealogy society, maybe you're working on, you know, abstracting some records or you're trying to identify. I, I know one genealogy society, they're trying to identify all of the African-American Civil War veterans that are buried in their area. Um, and they have several people working on it. So having that goal, whether, whether it's a society project or something that you and your cousins are putting together, having that goal in mind and having in mind what you want your outcome to be. So is our goal to identify all of the descendants of our great-great-grandparents so that we can have a family reunion next year? Um, are we trying to put together a photo album for our grandparents' 60th wedding anniversary? You know, what, what is our goal and what is that end product that we're wanting? When you have that identified, then it's easier to sort of divide up the tasks. It's like, okay, well, let's say we're trying to identify all of the Civil War veterans in this county. Well, here are the records that are going to help us identify them. Well, Bernice, you know, you go through these county histories, and Angela, you go through these grave registration files, and I'll tackle these published abstracts we've done of obituary records. So knowing what our goal is and identifying the things that are going to help us achieve that goal, then we can be more focused on our tasks and have have more productive time. And that makes so much sense. And just as you said, I mean, fam- just planning a family reunion, I mean, it does require teamwork. Uh, and oh, yeah. It, it requires teamwork. It, it requires specific tasks and people to assume responsibility for those tasks. And so it does make sense to, as you said, outline your goal. Say what is the goal and the anticipated outcome, and then mm-hmm. move move toward that direction. It does make so much sense, so much sense. Yeah, and, so and what I think else that, would you recommend? Well, I, I really think that that having those good goals in mind, having specific questions also that we're trying to answer, Rather than just saying now, now admittedly, when I was doing my research in Fort Wayne last week, it, it was very general because I I was just starting to research this one particular line, so I hadn't done that basic literature search of going through the uh, you know going through the county histories or going through anything that the genealogy society had published. So I wanted to do that basic, just general search first. 
But I think it's also important to ask specific questions. So rather than saying, you know, when, you're, when your research progresses beyond just that, okay, I'm going to do this general search, when it progresses past that, asking specific questions, rather than just saying, I'm going to research George DeBolt, maybe your research question is, I want to identify George's parents, or mm -hmm. I, want to, I want to identify where and when George died because that's going to help us focus even more because then we can start, let's say we want to find when and where George died. Now we can start focusing on the types of records that are going to give us that information. That's right. That's right. Now, when you're going through this, this whole process, because really you, you sound like you're, you're putting together a research plan, mm -hmm. do you also uh, – map out, let's say, specific challenges that you may be faced with. Yes. And one thing that I do, and I try to do this whenever my research takes me into an area where I haven't done a whole lot of research, is I try to first kind of get my sea legs. Like, okay, mm -hmm. when, when, did they, when did this area start keeping specific records? So when did this area start keeping civil vital records? When did they start keeping, um, I don't know, when they start keeping marriage records? When did they start keeping, you know, whatever type of record? Are there any records that are missing? You know, has there been a courthouse fire or something that has destroyed records that, you know, they were created, but we don't have them anymore because the courthouse burned down? So mm -hmm, just trying to mm -hmm. get that trying to get that lay of the land so I'm not wasting time looking for records that just don't exist. Right. And that makes so much I mean, you're doing kind of environmental analysis really of what's what's available and then where you need to go. Now there's a question you have a couple of questions. One question is do you use a certain strategy uh to tackle brick walls? Well, it kind of depends upon the brick wall. First, the, the first thing that I, I try to do is really identify what it is that I'm after because it, it's so easy, and, and I've, I've done this, where, oh, I'm just stuck on this person. Well, what am I really stuck on? Am I stuck on trying to identify her maiden name? Am I stuck on trying to identify her parents? Am I stuck on trying to find when and where she died? So again, it's pulling out that question that I'm trying to answer, and that can sometimes just switch my thinking around, oh, I need to focus on this. But mm -hmm. in, terms of a general, in terms of a general strategy, one thing that I really, really like to do is create a timeline for that person. So if I create a timeline for someone, I can see where I have huge gaps of time, where I have huge gaps where I don't have any records for them. And maybe mm -hmm. that's when I discover, oh, okay, I'm an idiot. I didn't look for them in the 1870 census. You know, just sometimes just seeing a timeline, those, those gaps in, in your research can just jump out at you. It's like, oh, of course, why didn't I look there? And it also can put things in context that, that we had because sometimes things that we think we know, they kind of get, kind of get muddled up when all we're looking at is a family group sheet or an ancestor chart. Because mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. are really just very small snapshots of a person's life. Whereas a timeline, you can start seeing things in relation to each other. So sometimes like, oh, wait a minute. According to this, she would only have been 11 when she had that person. You know, when, when she had this, this person that I think is her child. Okay, that's probably not correct. I need to look at something. And then that triggers the let's go back and review what sources 
I have, why do I think she was born this date? Why do I think her son was born this date? Why do I think that, that she is his mother? So it's getting the timeline to sort of put everything in relation with each other and then pulling out what I have and reviewing it and saying, okay, that source, probably not the best one. Let's see if I can find something better. Right, and you have some chatters. Uh, Family Tree Girl is saying it's a must for her to have a timeline, and Leonard is saying that he used timelines 99% of the time, that he can't work without them. And so Lucy is saying that she needs to she needs to learn about how to use a timeline. So that's the kind of learning that uh, that needs to take place for some people as they uh, mature in their research strategies. Um, Family Tree Girl is telling Lucy uh, maybe she could go to Maggie, the Midwest African American Genealogy Institute. Uh, where mm-hmm. she will be taught how to uh, construct a timeline. Yeah, and, and I, I tell you, Lucy, once you see how timelines work, you'll, you'll wonder how you ever got along without them. They are one of the best tools for analyzing what you have. Right. I mean, you just just the example you gave about once you put together a timeline and you saw, wait a minute, there's a conflict here. In, mm-hmm. in the information, you know, the, the, the mother cannot have had a child at 11 years old or something like that, but it does help you put everything in perspective as to what's happening in that person's life or other events that are happening within that community. It does help with that timeline. So you get an amen. <laughs> I say amen. <laughs> Oh boy, I love the chatters. They're they're really good oh, sharing their their thoughts. That's great. All right. Well, Lucy. I mean, excuse me, not Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Uh, Amy, <laughs> what else uh, would you uh, recommend to to individuals? Let's say they they really are seeing conflicts in in information, and they've put together a timeline, and they've done an, an environmental assessment, and they know what's missing, but they still can't quite get it together. Well, when when you have conflicting information, you really have to go back to the sources where you got that information from. So, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of us will, will look at something and, well, yeah, this, this makes sense on, on the face of it, but it isn't until it doesn't fit with everything else that you kind of have to go, hmm. So let's take an obituary, for example. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything in that obituary, just point by point, makes sense. You know, each little fact that's in there by itself makes sense. But when you put it together with things like a marriage record that you have found or um, a birth record or a death record or a tombstone, maybe something in that obituary suddenly doesn't make sense. Well, mm-hmm. let's say in that obituary it references that your great-grandmother had been married for 50 years. Well, okay, but let's say that you think that her oldest child is actually 60. Like, hmm, okay, the obituary says she was married for 50 years, but I think she has a 60-year-old child. This, this, you know, something isn't quite driving here. So mm-hmm. that's when you have to go back and look at those sources. Well, the obituary is the one that says she was married for 50 years. Wait a minute, I don't actually have her marriage record. So then okay, I need something better than that obituary for her marriage date. I need to go find something better than that obit. So maybe I go and look for her actual marriage record. Or maybe mm-hmm. I need to pull information out of, maybe he has a, the husband has a Civil War pension file or something like that. So it's a matter of seeing where we got this information, 
why is it contradicting, and what can I use to try to, um, to, try to alleviate that conflict, to try to resolve this and figure out what went wrong? Mm-hmm. And we have Susie. Uh, Susan is saying that everything needs a source. And she came across a, a researcher who thought that some of her ancestors were on their family tree. And then mm-hmm. sometime down the line, they noted something differently. So everything does need a source. Now, there's another uh, comment, and it's about you writing a blog on uh, Shaky Leaks. They want you to say something mm. about that. You did an article on I- the Shaking Leaks. I don't recall one offhand. Um, it it might have been I I did mention the the shaky leaves in a post I did on avoiding distractions, but I don't think I've done one specifically on on the leaves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, or okay. If have, or if I have, I've forgotten, which is entirely possible. <laughs> right. Well, it's almost <laughs> like she said you you thought there was more than let me see she thought there was more to the shaking leaf okay more to the shaking yeah. leaf than really was or something like that well you know yeah. your 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 chatters here are throwing out comments and and they <laughs> want just to know your feelings you know there is more to your genealogy than shaking a leaf Yep, that's that's exactly right. There is there's so much to find. There's so much to find, and that's that's both the the beauty and the challenge of family history. Yes, it is. And and what are your thoughts? I mean, you have people out there just sharing information, sharing tech, which is what you're doing with us tonight, as far as talking about avoiding distractions. And I mean, sometimes do you just sit down and say, you know what? I'm going to write about this. This is a thought I have that people need to hear about. Is is that how you come up with your blogs? Or tell us your your process for determining what you want to write about. Yeah. So so sometimes it will be something like this where it's it's a challenge that I have had of trying to stay focused and trying to avoid all those bright shiny objects and trying to to get things done. Um, so it's it's a challenge that I have faced. So I figure if I have faced it, you know, maybe other people have too. And you know, I've I've found some ways to work with this. So I'm going to write about it. Or maybe mm-hmm. I've had, or or maybe I've had a, a reader write in and they've had a question about, you know, it might be a specific question about their their research but I can see something in there that's going to be applicable to everyone. I had a, a post just a, just in the last month or so. Uh, one of my readers had written in about uh, she, had, she was researching two men, both of whom had very common names. And mm-hmm. how, how, did she, how could she know in any record if that record was pertaining to her ancestor? Or was it somebody that just happened to have the same name because it was so common? So it's like, hey, that's something that a lot of people have. I mean, my maiden name is Johnson, so I'm used to dealing with common names. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that, so that, so that prompted that blog post. So, it's it's a combination of things that that I have struggled with that I've tried to find solutions to, along with things that that people have asked me questions or that I see people talking about, and, and maybe I can give some insight, too. Well, that is wonderful. Now, the, I just have to throw this out because, I mean, we everybody's testing their DNA. So how do you stay focused and avoid distractions when you keep getting all of these new DNA matches? Oh, my goodness, that is so hard. That is so hard. I have to say, though, that... When I get a notification from Ancestry that I have a new DNA match and it's like a seventh cousin, unless it looks like a line that I am really, really researching right now, 
honestly, I I don't even look because that's I don't know. It that that doesn't have that much of a draw to me. Now, if I were to get a notification that suddenly I have a brand new second cousin, I don't care what the line is. I want to go, you know, I want to go make contact with that person who who is supposedly a second cousin because that's really close. Um I I haven't had any first cousins pop up yet because I've I've identified I think I know all of my first cousins. So if I would have a brand new first cousin pop up, that would definitely get my interest. But oh yes, definitely, yeah, definitely. Well, I keep popping up tough. with these new third and fourth cousins and they mm-hmm. all seem to be connecting to each other and I'm just trying to figure out, oh my goodness, and I don't want to be distracted, but I have to figure this one out. And I think yeah. sometimes we find that we're we're in a situation where we're seeing there's something, there's a pattern here. And it's do you stop doing everything that you already had on your plate to start doing that? I mean, that's a decision that you have to make. Yeah, and, and Bernice, I, I think that that's, that's a really good way to phrase it, that it is a decision. And I think that if we approach it that way, that, okay, I was planning on researching my ancestor's Civil War service. I was going to trace where his regiment went and everything. But all of a sudden, I have this new second or third cousin that pops up. Okay, I, I'm now going to decide to spend time working with that because I, I feel the need to, to do that. And I think that's fine. I think we just need to be aware when we are changing focus so that we can be mm-hmm. more deliberate about it. Right, right. Well, I think that this this has been a great, great conversation. And believe it or not, we're at the end. So do wow. you have any close yeah, do you have any any closing remarks or anything you would leave, want to leave our listeners with tonight when it comes to avoiding distractions and setting your research goals? Well, I I think just to to sum up what we've been talking about, it's I really I strongly believe that if we go into our research having a good goal or even a specific question that we're trying to answer, I think that puts us in a better frame of mind and that will help us avoid the distractions. It will help us not be as tempted to go, you know, looking at every bright, shiny object that that pops up and also just being aware of those things that really can distract us, like having Facebook open, like having email set up to to notify us on our phones you know maybe just taking some steps to avoid those so that we can have some good productive focused research time okay everyone so you've heard amy uh with her parting words and let's continue this dialogue everyone because we all are faced with distractions and Hey, we we have work to do though. We have our goals to set. We have our research plan, our timelines, and uh, let's see what we can accomplish. So, Amy, I just want to thank you so much for coming on tonight, and to everyone else, please remember your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. Now, I want everyone to tune in next week because next week I'm having my fifth anniversary blog talk radio show. That's right, five years. I can't even believe that I've been doing this for five years. So you can continue this discussion as I said, on the research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio and AfroGenius.com Facebook pages. And remember to listen to the African Roots Podcast with Angela Wharton Raji on Friday. 
Thank you so much for joining research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This show is sponsored by your host, Bernice Beebe's Genealogy Research and Educational Services, LLC. And my website is www.genieberoots.com. I look forward to you joining me next Thursday to help me celebrate my five years of broadcasting on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, Amy. Good night. <laughs>